Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. He did it. (laughs) Hands off, Joe Biden. Look, there are a lot of reasons to not like Joe Biden, and this is one of them. He gets way too close to people he does not know. It's inappropriate. It's weird. It's creepy. And it happened overseas. Now, I love kids. We all love kids. But you don't play eat a stranger's child. All right. What was that? What was that? Seriously, it was some sort of play eating. And the kid is not liking it. You just don't do that. All right. You don't. You don't. And the kid is obviously a little bit uncomfortable. You see, you're kind of like shirking away. What is this all about? And then part two When Joe goes in for the kiss, the kid really doesn't like it and tries to escape. Yeah, no, no, leave me alone. And he knows he's out of there, but the damage has already been done. (laughs) Uh, This is what he does. He's been doing it for a long time, and we don't like it. He's been warned about this. He's been told about this by a lot of people, including this woman. Joe Biden was behind me. I'm kind of preparing myself to give these remarks. It's the very last days before the election. And uh, very unexpectedly and out of nowhere, I feel Joe Biden put his hands on my shoulders, get up very close to me from behind, lean in, smell my hair, and then plant a slow kiss on the top of my head. I think we all believe her, right? We've seen him do it a million times. Uh, Joe is a guy who feels pretty much entitled to do whatever he wants, grabbing women, smelling women, kissing women, and maybe (laughs) grabbing money from all over the world as well. Uh, You saw that picture, of course. Uh, Remember this with the senator's daughter? That was and I mean, there's hours of footage. It goes on and on and on. Hillary Clinton even was trying to give him the brush. And Joe, well, this all came to a head kind of in 2020. 2019, 2020, when he was running for president, Uh, this was a story because of that woman in Vegas who came forward. So he said he wouldn't do it anymore. Social norms have begun to change. They've shifted. And the boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset. And I get it. I get it. I hear what they're saying. I understand it. And I'll be much more mindful. That's my responsibility. My responsibility. And I'll meet it. 
Just something he said because it got through a, a little minor crisis that he had. Media was giving him a hard time, so he puts that out. Doesn't mean it. Continues to touch, grope, smell women from all walks of life, including Eva Longoria and that baby, Eva Longoria at the White House. All right, this woman, this you don't touch a lady like that that you don't. It's just, it's... And we're, we're telling the president of the United States this. The president of the United States has to be told these things. You know what president did not have to be told these things? Donald Trump. I mean, he may have said some stuff behind the scenes. Drop the banner, please, and you'll see. He would never invade the physical space of anybody. That's just not what a gentleman does, okay? It's amazing what they say about him and what we know and what they don't say about him the other guy and what we know. All right, now this. The world. I love this planet, don't you? It's an amazing place. It really is. And believe it or not, it's actually almost better than it's ever been before. Yes, we have problems, very serious problems. But if you compare the problems we have now to the problems we had centuries ago, this is almost heaven on earth. When countries went to war like a thousand years ago, the entire country, right, including the children, went to war. And the victors, well, they got everything. They got uh, the property, the money, the women. They, it was barbaric. The medieval times, you can look it up. Uh, today, warfare and a lot of other things are actually, well, much more civilized in comparison. What are we looking at here? The streets of Kiev, Ukraine, where I'm told a war is raging. And we've spent a lot of money helping these guys, right? And, well, what do they do over there? They go to McDonald's in Kiev. Uh, yeah, it's like life goes on. They even party a lot. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy, right? I never thought that this is what... And I'm not saying, look, I'm glad that they're safe in Kiev, but it is better than how it used to be in total war scenarios. Here's a book about this. Came out a couple of years ago, The Better Angels of Our Nature by Steven Pinker, Why Violence Has Declined. He also tries to make another point that overall human beings are living now better than they ever lived before. I mean, we live like kings compared to the ordinary person today lives like the king of 100 years ago. Let's go through it. Or 50 years ago, air conditioning. When it first came out, it was... Well, only the elites had it, and uh, nobody else did. Now, it's pretty much everywhere. The elites actually want to take it away from us for global warming. If you have cable TV, you have access to what? A thousand channels, maybe? If you have a cell phone, you have access to, well, everything. Everything. Take a look at this kid. Uh, I think this is uh, from the Sudan. These two kids were in the Sudan, right? Two kids in the Sudan today, right now, with a cell phone, have access to more information than Bill Clinton did at the Oval Office in 1993. That's amazing. You know, I used to fantasize, actually, when I was a little kid, maybe I'll be president someday. And the first thing I wanted to do, I was going to look up the JFK files. Bring me the JFK files. I want to see everything. Well, you can find a hell of a lot right now on the Internet, including autopsy stuff. I don't think the National Archives actually would give me all the stuff now that we know how they operate. So, look, what am I getting at here? Uh, like I said before, middle class people live better than the kings from decades ago. Warren Buffett. Do we like Warren Buffett? Sometimes. He made an excellent point about this. Take a look.
you know, they're, they've got air conditioning in summer and I got air conditioning. They got heat in winter and almost everything. Uh, so any importance in daily life, we equate on The one thing I do is I travel a lot better than they do, you know, net jets. Uh, so the, the travel is travel. I do a lot easier than they do everything else in their lives. It just, you know, I'll switch places anytime. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah, have you heard this about him? He has a regular car. It's like a Chevrolet. He has an ordinary house, but he travels in style. That's what really separates the rich, the super rich, from everybody else. And there he is with Bill Gates on, on some jet. If I had the money, I'd do the same thing. Um, and that is what's driving so much of what's happening right now. Powerful people in politics want money so they can travel like this. They don't want to be with us. Certainly not at the airport, right? They don't want to be with us. They don't want to be on the lines. And I don't want to be on the lines, but you just have to suck it up. Do you want to make all the compromises you have to make to get on a private jet? You don't. The moral compromises to take a stupid selfie. By the way, when you're on a private jet, you're trapped. You got to talk to the people. It's too small. You, you like the anonymity. Maybe you talk to the person next to you on a regular flight. Maybe you don't. So that brings us to John Kerry. John Forbes Kerry, our environmental czar, flying all over the world on private jets. Why does the man in charge of environmental, whatever he's actually doing, flying on private jets? I understand that you came here with a private jet. Uh, is that uh, an environmental way to travel? If you offset your carbon, it's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to win this battle. The time it takes me to get somewhere. I can't sail across the ocean. I have to fly to meet with people and get things done. But what I'm doing almost full time is working to win the battle of climate change. I understand. You're a hypocrite, basically. You're a hypocrite. And he was nailed today on Capitol Hill. First, he started things off with a, well, with a great big lie. You know, there are so many pictures of this guy in private jets. He can't deny it, but he did. I just don't agree with your facts, which began with the presentation of one of the most outrageously persistent lies that I hear, which is this private jet. We don't own a private jet. I don't own a private jet. I personally have never owned a private jet. And obviously, it's pretty stupid to talk about coming in a private jet from the State Department up here. It, it just honestly, if that's where you want to go, go there. Yeah, we, uh, they want to go there, and they did, and it's spectacular. Uh, it's interesting. He said, um, we don't own a private jet. And then he said, I don't own a private jet personally. It's his wife, very rich woman. Uh, next, please. The John Kerry family private jet was sold shortly after accusations of climate hypocrisy. Uh, Mr. Secretary, do you stand by that testimony Not that you've never I, owned or I personally, your family? I by your family. personally, yes. My wife owned a plane and sold the and plane. You flew on That's that plane? Been, uh, not in a number of years, and, but I have flown on it, and sure. this article is not then inaccurate, that your family owned a plane, you flew on a plane. There, my, wife owned, my wife owned here's a plane. The, okay. <laughs> he said, we don't own a plane. And when did she sell it? February of this year. Next. When we are asking Americans to make serious sacrifices as we transition for the common good, and your family and or yourself are flying around on private jets, that smacks of hypocrisy. It actually hurts your cause. 
Good point, Congressman. Uh, what does the hypocrite have to say to that? Otherwise, all of my trips are commercial Have airlines. you flown on a private jet in a personal or official capacity since you've taken this position? Possibly once. I, I don't, I think, I just don't, I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, 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 there's a lot of, uh, 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 wow, how about that? But it's John Kerry. I mean, we rejected him in 2004 because of reasons like this. Uh, we all know. He's a rich guy, has the planes, uh, you know, very stylish and all that stuff. And that's why that's the way he rolls. That's the way he rolls. Do you remember when we kind of first met him as a country? Actually, the second time we met him as a country. Remember this? I'm John Kerry, and I'm reporting for duty. First of all, you don't salute like this. It was the worst salute ever. It reminded me, seeing this again, that his whole life has been a scam, all right? He went to Vietnam because he had this plan to oppose the war in Vietnam and falsely accused soldiers and Marines of war crimes. And he did that for his own political benefit. I was fooled for a little while. In 2004, you know by now how I feel about the Iraq war. All right. I don't think George W. Bush uh, should have been reelected. So, yeah, I voted for the guy. Can you believe that? I was a totally different person, but uh, he blew it. That was a that was a winnable race. But remember, it was his wife's plane. My name is Teresa Heinz Carey. All right. Anyway. Uh, the private jet, it really makes people do stupid things. So, uh, what do you think? Is this worth, uh, compromising, uh, your principles? It's not. It's not, but they all do it. This explains so much of the, the lobbying, the money-hungry culture there. They want enough money to get their own jet. Like Gordon Gecko in Wall Street said, you know, who's really seduced by this, Kamala Harris. I'm sorry for dripping, but drip is what I do. And one of these days, I'm sorry for dripping. With the gangster music, right? This is very, uh, I don't know, this is kind of, whoa. Um, and this was all we saw during the campaign. She made good on this promise, because every time she gets on Air Force Two, they put a silly video of her getting on the plane. Look at me, I'm getting on a plane. Now, look, there are Republicans who do this, Democrats who do this, but one of the reasons why they really hate Donald Trump is because the guy can afford his own plane, okay? And that's what they want. He doesn't have to compromise. It's his plane. That's one of the reasons why we like him. Not that he's rich enough to have the plane, but it says that he doesn't have to compromise. Does that make sense? I hope so. Be right back.
Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. It's Kamala. That laugh, out of control. I was laughing at her today when I saw this tweet. Take a look. The majority of domestic flights do not have accessible restrooms. This is absolutely unacceptable. Our administration will soon announce a solution to help end this inequity. Okay, so uh, my first reaction was, what is she talking about? Restrooms on planes? My personal knowledge suggests that, yes, there are restrooms on planes, and they're very, very accessible. Every airline, let's go through them. American Airlines, the smallest jet they have, has a bathroom in the back. And you can go on and on like this. Let's see. There's, uh, what's the next? Delta, that's a tiny little plane. But, yes, they have a bathroom. And uh, another airline, uh, what's that, JetBlue, small plane, bathroom in the back. I think they actually have two bathrooms on that. Now, we did find Surf Air. Surf Air. No, no. Wait, what is this? No. Surf Air has a bathroom. Key Lime. Key Lime Airlines does not have a bathroom. Did you know there was a Key Lime airplane? Well, there is. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. I misread the tweet. Let's put it up again. Laughter included. Uh, (laughs) The majority of domestic flights do not have accessible bathrooms. She was talking about wheelchair accessible bathrooms. I would have put that in there. I would have put that in there. Don't you think that belonged in the tweet? All right. She's not a very effective communicator. Um, And maybe we should make uh, uh, allowances or or redo that. I saw this online. They're actually looking at one of the problems. If you have a wheelchair, you're supposed to leave your wheelchair off the plane and it can get very complicated and, you know, somewhat maybe embarrassing. Maybe it's an indignity. Take a look at this. Some guys are working on it. So they take out the uh, the cushion, and that allows you to back the wheelchair into kind of the seat that's already there, and you can keep your wheelchair. Something they're looking at, I don't think the federal government is very good at this stuff, so maybe the airlines will do it on their own. In the meantime, who remembers this? There was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools, and she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Wow. Uh, I liked her better back then. (laughs) Giving it right to Joe Biden, right to his face, yelling at him. That went on for like three minutes. Now uh, she's obviously a major, major liability. They all want to get rid of her, but they feel like they can't because of identity politics. They feel like Joe, being a white man, can't dump a black woman from the ticket. And quite frankly, being dumped by Joe would be, I mean, who is he to dump anybody, right? Anyway, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be wild. In the meantime, what happened to Ron DeSantis? All right. Now, in the Democrat Party, they never acknowledge the very obvious limitations of their candidates. That's not how conservatives roll. I like Ron DeSantis, maybe someday, but something is not going well at all. It all started great, right? When he was reelected in Florida with, by what, 20 million votes or something like that? He just crushed it. He just crushed it. Uh, but shortly after, found out that he's just not good at politics, really. 
I'm not coming up to me talking to me. What are you talking about? I'm not here working with people. Are you, are you blind? Are you blind? It's just an easy question. It might have been a jerk question, but it's easy to handle. Are you blind? And this whole thing about his name? Got a long last name, a European name, Steinhauser. There's been some confusion over your last name and the pronunciation, and I'm just wondering, to correct the record, what is it? Oh, that's ridiculous, these stupid things. Listen, the way to pronounce my last name, winner. All right. This is where it breaks my heart. I mean, Pete Buttigieg, for all of his problems, for all of his phoniness, is better at explaining his name than Ron DeSantis is uh, about his name. So the way to say Buttigieg, I didn't know at first, did you? Well, they made a big deal out of it. Boot, edge, edge. Yeah, that's how you say it. They, they, <laughs> they all agreed. And he handled it well, quite frankly. Best way to pronounce your last name. <laughs> Buttigieg. But uh, around South Bend, they just call me Mayor Pete, and that's fine with me. I don't like the guy. Big phony, but that was smooth. That was good. Ron DeSantis right now, for a million different reasons, uh, we don't get to see him all, but he's way down in the polls. This is the best poll I've seen for him, actually, 20 points down. I've seen 30, 35 points down, and it's been a couple of months so far. Reminds us of Jeb Bush, another guy. He was supposed to be the heir apparent, right? He was supposed to be great, but no. We got, we got a look at him, and we realized he's not ready. No way. He'll never be ready. All right, so you know who's figuring this out? The donors, the mega-rich billionaires are very nervous about um, Ron DeSantis. And they're like, what are we going to do? And they're taking a look at other candidates. Uh, and let's go through them. They're actually, like, auditioning these people. Tim Scott. That's why I'm announcing today that I'm running for president of the United States of America. Great speech, no chance. And the billionaires, he, uh, he needs a lot more seasoning. It's not going to work, certainly not this time. Then there's Nikki Haley. They're taking a look at, uh, at Nikki. I'm going to tell you what I told South Carolinians when I became governor. No more whining. No more complaining. Now we get to work. Doesn't she sound like your fourth grade teacher, right? The one trying to take charge. Uh, they're going to take a look at her if they haven't already and realize she is not ready. And then there's Vivek Ramaswamy. They're taking a good look at him. Now, I like him. He is very, very smart. Let's talk about the truth. God is real. There are two genders. Fossil fuels are a requirement for human prosperity. Just a little taste right there. So much more. He's great. President someday, but not in 2024. He's only 37 years old. He's got, he's got a ways to go. But Vivek Ramaswamy, awesome. I think it's going to be you-know-who, all right? And for those who say he can't win in the general election, well, uh, he's beating Biden right now. And speaking of Biden... Is he back from Europe yet? What a disaster. The people of Ukraine remain unbroken, unbroken. <laughs> Ukraine remains independent. It remains free. What I say again, we will not waver. We will not waver. Our commitment to Ukraine will not weaken. We will stand for liberty and freedom today, tomorrow, and for as long as it takes. 
bad football coach, bad, bad coach, yelling and screaming when he was with Putin, all smiles, all smiles. I do believe that Vladimir Putin got a look at Joe Biden, got a look at him, sensed him in that room together, felt the guy out and realized, you know what, I can take this Yankee. I am going to invade Ukraine and I am going to restore Mother Russia. I can do it. Now is the time. Trump is gone. 62% or so of Americans agree with me? Can, yeah, 62% of Americans believe that Putin would not have invaded if Trump were president. Um, now, Trump met with Putin and there wasn't too much in the way of smiles. It's interesting. The fake news is trying to say that Joe never met with Putin and that this is a uh, this is the key moment. Take a look at this, please. Monica Alba. Monica, it's good to see you. One can't help but note the contrast between President Biden yesterday alongside President Zelensky of Ukraine at the NATO summit to five years ago at the summit in Helsinki, where the president is today. Former President Donald Trump standing alongside President Putin there during a news conference. Certainly, Willie. That contrast will be on full display today. You will see, again, this very clear contrast with what we saw here remarkably five years ago when former President Trump believed and accepted President Putin's denials about Russian election interference, Willie. What's the contrast? What's the contrast? $100,000 spent on the elections, by the way, by Russia. Uh, when I saw Trump, I saw him standing his ground and not giving in to the <laughs> mainstream media. Can I see Joe with Putin again? Ah, boy. That's, that's a nervous smile. That's a smile of weakness. That's an ingratiating smile. And who knows what Putin really knows about Joe? We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Carson. Imagine this. In the dead of night, you're lying in bed. Suddenly you hear something go bump. What's your next move? Well, you reach for the ultimate solution. The new MC-14 T tip-up pistol from EAA Corp. and Gerson. This game-changing firearm is perfect for those with limited hand strength disabilities or anyone seeking a comfortable and user-friendly alternative. Picture this, the MC-14T features an ingenious tip-up barrel design, making loading and unloading a breeze. Say goodbye to struggles while racking a slide. Just load the tip-up barrel, lock it back, and you're ready to fire. That is pretty ingenious, actually. The MC-14T is chambered in 380 ACP, boasting a 13-plus round capacity. With its reliable stopping power and compact size, it's an excellent choice for personal defense complete with accessory rail and ambidextrous safeties. Experience a new level of convenience, available with all EAA Corp distributors. Starting at an incredibly affordable MSRP of just $498. Don't miss out on this game-changing firearm. Visit eaacorp.com today, eaacorp.com. So that is Misha Maynard. She is a Georgia State representative, District 3056 in the heart of Atlanta. She was a Democrat. Guess what? She quit that party and just became a Republican and made national headlines in doing so. We have been on a journey together for two terms and we've had some wins, but there is a better path and we can do so much more. That is why today I am announcing that I am joining the Republican Party. 
Wow, what a move. And Misha Maynard joins us right now. Hey, I think you did the right thing. Congratulations. That's my opinion. But uh, how are you? Thanks for being here. I am doing great. What a setup. <laughs> Good well, to be here. Thank you. How do your constituents feel? I mean, they, they voted for you as a Democrat. Now you're a Republican. You know, are they OK with that? Uh, my constituents are actually OK with it all day on Tuesday. I got nothing but well wishes. And um, the only people that are upset are, is, are the Democrats that I left. So. So why did you leave? I left because there were some fundamental um, values that I just don't agree with. And I went to the Capitol to represent people that care about education, people that care about public safety, people that care about victim rights, not putting prosecutors over families. Um, and so the Democrats just really put their heels in the sand and said, this is what we do not believe in. And since you believe in this, you are not a Democrat to the point where they started putting $1,000 checks up online for people to run against me. You know, uh, Joe Biden once said, uh, if you're for Donald Trump, you ain't black. And that was, uh, <laughs> that was quite a statement. And it brought, I, I think you've heard that Democrats have taken black people for granted for a long time. Donald Trump has said that. How do you feel about that? I agree with it. Um, I represent a part of Atlanta where it's a very low socioeconomic group, but then there's also a very high socioeconomic group. So I have a pretty diverse district. And the lower socioeconomic group, there are failing schools, low unemployment, I mean, high unemployment, low graduation rates. And it's nothing but black leaders that are Democrats that are running those communities. I came to the Capitol to fix that, um, not understanding that it was actually the Democrat leadership that was hindering that. Um, once you get into the fine details of the policies that the Democrats support, it actually just further oppresses and suppresses black people. Wow. Uh, that's my observation from afar. You're right in the middle of it. Um, do you feel like your opinion is making inroads. You know, this has been done before. We've seen it, right? And it's it gets attention and it's good. I think it's good for you and good for your constituents. But, you know, does it harbor something big? Does it harbor something national? Do you think? I do. And let me tell you why. Um, one thing that's going to be different this time is I'm going to be an elected black Republican that's actually going to serve in the General Assembly. And so people will be able to see what a black Republican does in the General Assembly for Americans, for Georgians. That's never been done before. Um, so we're gonna lay that to rest that um, Republican policies do not benefit minorities. All right. By the way, you were there during the riots in Atlanta, uh, summer George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Um, did you, was, was your property damaged? My property was not damaged, um, but I am a citizen, citizen of Atlanta. So as a taxpayer, that means my property was damaged. I think it was unfortunate, uh, but you know, a lot of times people, people will um, propagate things 
to benefit them, meaning elected leaders, that does not necessarily help the community. So it's it's sometimes easy to instill fear in people, right? And so a lot of times in urban communities, we are afraid and we're afraid of Republicans because that's what we were told to be afraid of. Um, and instead of just saying, you know what, it's not a Republican that's in leadership in our community, right? It's not a Republican that is killing our neighbor. It's not a Republican um, the reason our schools are failing. And so I hope that with this change, I can really change that narrative and put another perspective out there. Amisha Maynard, if you don't mind, um, what did you do before politics? Just a few seconds. What, what was your life like before? Uh, and, and what do you do for a living? I'm a physical therapist. So working with seniors, people with disabilities is the near and dear to my heart. I'm a parent, have two children. One is headed off to college on a full ride. And what my children have, I want every parent to have. Very beautiful. Well, thank you very much. Good luck. And uh, let's stay in touch. Okay, Misha Maynard, the newest Republican in the State Assembly in Georgia. All the best. Thank you so much. It's true, I am an America first, liberty loving Latino. That's why I know this country is worth fighting for. That's why the Chris Salcedo Show will always tell you the truth. The Chris Salcedo Show, for the news you need to know. All right, now we've seen this hideous just about everywhere. It really is gross, it really is disgusting, and it has no business in the schools. You know, at first I thought this was a I don't know, maybe New York City, maybe Berkeley, California, but you know it's happening all over the country. Blue states, red states, Ohio, Ohio, they just uncovered a plan in Columbus City Schools to teach uh, this kind of gender mess stuff. And we found this in the proposal. Transgender and non-binary students have a FERPA, never heard of FERPA, protected right to privacy. This includes privacy rights from parents and caregivers. Uh, this is part of an instruction program for staff created by a firm. It was uncovered by Alex Nestor. He's an investigative fellow for Parents Defending Education. Uh, we're wel welcome to you, Alex, and Nikki Niley, president and founder of Parents Defending Education. Welcome to you both. Um, Alex, first to you. I just saw that thing. Um, all right, how many people saw this? Do we have any idea this was a instruction for teachers? So this was an instruction for counselors, actually, in Columbus City Schools last summer. Um, and I don't want to take credit for this. This was a colleague of mine who uncovered these documents via a public records request. And as you mentioned, what we saw in this was absolutely horrifying, specifically the part where these um, you know, consultants encouraged counselors to hide from parents if and when a child decides to use another name or pronouns at school. Yes, let's go to full screen number five, if you don't mind. This is right from the um, curriculum. Affirm names should be used regardless of legal name. Uh, if students' caregivers are not supportive, I think their grammar is at <laughs> a little problem here, there should be a private place within the students' records to indicate name and pronouns. Uh, and that other thing, what is FERPA? Uh, Nikki, do you know anything about FERPA? I've heard of HIPAA, not FERPA. FERPA is, an, is a federal education privacy act that the Department of Education has put in place, which is supposed to mean that 
you know, student social security numbers wouldn't be released during a public records request, for example. And so to manipulate this and flip this and say ch children, minor children have privacy from their parents is absurd. It is certainly not what the statute was intended for. And it's insulting that these consultants are giving false information to a school district and to counselors like this. Look, you guys, uh, everyone's looking at your group and you were on Capitol Hill not too long ago. If you don't mind, uh, Nikki, I'd like to play that. This is last March. School boards seem to forget. Parents have a constitutional right to assemble, to speak, to petition their government for a redress of grievances. But sadly, the airing of these concerns is now viewed by elected officials as violent, offensive, or hateful, in many cases based solely upon the speaker's viewpoint. American families have many concerns about education which merit discussion and open debate. But there is no question that people have been chilled from speaking out against children's education. It is lamentable that pa American parents no longer trust their local school officials, but it is tragic that they now fear their federal government. It is incredible. And the left, uh, the far left, they're going to be even angrier uh, at you about all this stuff. Um, are you getting a lot of opposition? Like, are they calling you a hater because, you know, you're sticking up for children? Absolutely. We were called uh, a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, which means that we're over the target. Um, we are making people angry and we're giving voice to the voiceless. So many people have come out of the woodwork over the past two, three years standing up for their children because they've realized that the traditional gatekeepers, be it the teachers unions, the school boards association or others, don't have children's best interests at heart. They care about their money and they care about their power, but they certainly do not care about our children or children's education. Uh, let's see here. Uh, D07, we have the wheel of power privilege um, the wheel of power. I've heard of the wheel of fortune. This is the wheel of power. Um, it's a little bit hard to see. Can you take us through it, Alex? What do we have here? Yeah. So what you're looking at is basically a wheel. The innermost parts are, you know, people who by nature of their identity, whether it's uh, citizenship status, your sex, your race, um, whether you identify as, as uh, gay or transgender, um, you have privileges assigned to you based on these different identities. And as you can see, the wheel's very separated and divided up, and that's exactly what they want to do uh, with kids, and in this case, counselors. All right. And by the way, this is this training that you uncover that's being offered to counselors. Let's see here. It has a cost, $20,000, D02, $20,000 plus uh, travel expenses, including airfare, transportation, hotel to undergo this training. Um, and that is obviously taxpayer money that uh, would be used to pay these bills. Right, Alex? Yeah, that's right. And look, it costs $22,000 to educate a pupil in Columbus City Schools every year. This was $24,000. So, uh, you know, maybe this could have gone to something like, I don't know, maybe helping kids out, uh, learning how to read or, or do math, or helping with, you know, other mental health issues without pushing this, you know, uh, gender nonsense on kids. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, American kids en masse weren't exactly crushing it in terms of our testing and in terms of all that stuff compared to the rest of the world. Now we're throwing all this stuff in, which is a major waste of time. Nikki, if you don't mind briefly, what uh, what's the outlook right now? Sometimes I feel like we're losing this fight. They're getting angrier and louder on the left. But where where do things stand right now, in your opinion? We've identified over a thousand school districts across America that have these kind of parental exclusion policies in place. And Parents Defending Education actually has a number of lawsuits in federal court across the country challenging these policies. We believe it's immoral. We believe it's unconstitutional. We know that our parents' rights are going to be vindicated at the end of the day. So it may seem dark now, but we know in the end, families will prevail. We love it. Defending 
ed, defending ed, you can think of it that way, or defending education, ed for short.org. Nikki Niley and Alex Nestor, thank you. Keep it up, and we'll be right back. All right, there's Tommy Tuberville, Republican senator from Alabama. I think he's doing the right thing in trying to shut down these general promotions until we get some straight answers and some straight talk from the Pentagon about how they're facilitating abortions for soldiers and Marines in other states, flying them all over the country, getting hotel rooms for them, three weeks vacation. It's wrong. I think it's against the law. Somebody ought to call them up. The president hasn't called them. The Secretary of Defense apparently hasn't called them either. Take a look. Is Senator Tuberville now actively undermining U.S. national security? No, thanks. Well, this is a national security issue. You know, we just talked about, uh, when we sat down a couple of minutes ago, what a complex uh, environment this is, you know, around, uh, around the world, quite frankly. This is a national security issue. It's a readiness issue, and, uh, and we, we shouldn't kid ourselves. And I think uh, any member of the Senate Armed Services Committee knows that. Okay, it's not a national security issue. It's a, it's a bureaucratic issue, okay? It's people wanting promotions for doing a crummy job and thinking that they should get a promotion almost automatically. No, it doesn't work that way. The people run this country. Good for Tommy Tuberville. If it were such a threat to national security that Tommy Tuberville is holding up the promotions, which he's been at at for a couple of months now, why not call him on the phone? Senator Tuberville said he's only spoken to you about this once. That was back in February. Why not have a conversation with him and get this resolved? I, I will. Well, I certainly will engage, continue to engage him. Yeah. But you're not doing it right now. I mean, it was, the last conversation was in February. It was in March, end of March. But, yeah, I'll, I'll engage him. You'll talk to him, and, and your message to him will be? He, he needs to lift the holes, Wolf. We, we, this is a national security issue. It's a readiness issue. You see how it's not, okay, if it really were, you get him on the phone, you go to his house, you make it happen. It's just a game that he's playing, and Joe Biden as well. Now, how about this? We have it from Politico. Are they activating the reserves, American reserves for Ukraine? Wow. President Joe Biden has authorized the military to call up 3,000 reserve troops to support operations in Europe after tens of thousands were sent there last year after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, a top general said Thursday. Although it is not clear whether Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin plans to actually deploy these reservists anytime soon, the move suggests that the U.S. military's training mission in Europe, along with the deployment of several new brigades after the invasion, has stretched active duty forces. Uh, that's kind of logical. And they're also stressed because of all this non-binary sexual uh, transgender mess that they have to deal with as well. So many things they have to cope with that have nothing to do with defeating the enemy. Got to keep our eye on this big time. This is not good. All right. The cocaine? We don't know. I love this. <laughs> What's his name from the office? Uh, by not telling us whose cocaine it is, you're telling us whose cocaine it is. Uh, you heard by now that the Secret Service, they've concluded their investigation and they have no idea where that cocaine came from. Case closed. Well, we, 
I'm sorry. I don't think you're helping Hunter. All right. We all saw him on the uh, stage there having a problem. Uh, he's got a problem. And Joe Biden's in denial. The Secret Service apparently might be in denial. Uh, but we know what's up. We know what's up, don't we? We sure do. And I think that's it. Is that it? All right. We'll be right back. Newsmax shoots it straight. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. So some of my favorite moments of the show. I like meeting the uh, the uh, Georgia State Representative. I love seeing John Kerry flail under questioning about his private jet and get busted in a lie. That was uh, that was something. Maybe my least part, favorite part of the show was <laughs> well watching Joe Biden try to eat that kid Cookie Monster style. What is his problem? It's the President of the United States doing that stuff to somebody else's kid. It's not right. Please help him and the little girl. Thanks for watching. We'll be back tomorrow.